All right, all right. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is so good to see you guys this morning. Thank you uh, for tuning in, BCC people, family, friends. And uh, if you're tuning in with us for the first time, we wanna welcome you. Thank you, thank you for being with us. Um, I hope things are going well in your world, your little life and your family and uh, your people. And uh, more and more each day, we're able to get out a little bit and do some things, do a little bit more. Um, I know schools here in North Carolina are opening up a little bit and uh, people are getting back to school in the classroom and uh, on the ball field. And so that's, uh, that's always encouraging and uh, hopefully we'll see more and more and more of that. You know, one of the things that's going on in our world right now in our country is the, the uh, borders down uh, uh, south, south of Texas, that Mexican border and, and all those people and their desire to come into this country. And there's a lot of controversy over all that, we know. But there's one thing that we cannot deny, and that is when they show pictures of these people, these kids and these parents and these families coming our way, there's a desperation there on their faces that, that, that it's just undeniable. And our hearts got to go out to these people that just want to come to this country and, and have a better life. And uh, how we go about that is the debate. But those are real people in a real desperate situation. And uh, it's just hard to ignore that. So we've got to do something. We'll see uh, what we can do as a country. So we're talking about engaging Jesus. And, and as we're talking about this idea of engaging Jesus, there's two things that we're trying to think about in the process of engaging Jesus. One is that Jesus came and he engaged us personally. Like he engages you, engages me. And so there's this engaging Jesus in my life that I am trying to grow in my relationship with him. And hopefully we're all striving to grow, to know him better, to think more like him, to respond more like him, and that he is transforming my life. The engaging, transforming power of Jesus in me. But the second thing is that Jesus is now being able to use me to engage with other people because we are the body of Christ. So we're his hands, we're his feet, we go, and Jesus uses us to point people to him, to draw people to his power and grace and mercy and love and all the things that we know are so much greater for all of us than anything this world can offer. And so we want people to know that. We want Jesus to use us to engage other people. Well, we're in Luke chapter 5 today. Luke chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, go there. And we're going to read this passage and uh, see another encounter that Jesus has with another person and how that unfolds. And then, and then how we can learn from that as we strive to go out into the world and be Jesus to the world, to take Jesus to people. 
And in the process of us going, God is still working on us and, and changing us and molding us and, and, and shaping our lives as well. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and he begged Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone but go and show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. What a powerful encounter that Jesus has with this man. He encounters a man who has leprosy. This is a serious, serious skin disease that goes deeper than the skin. This is not a healthy man. But I got to tell you, this is a very desperate man. He's a very desperate man, and when he gets the opportunity to have an encounter, an engagement with Jesus, he doesn't pass it up. Even though everything around him and everyone around him and everything about the situation says, do not go near other people, he can't help himself out of desperation to go to the one that he knows could probably bring relief to his life. Leprosy is this, it affects people in different ways, and we believe this is leprosy like we know leprosy, and what it typically did was, was, was began to attack the body on the surface, like a, a scaling, sometimes it turned whitish, so it was like this white flaky skin that you had. And there's a number of things about this infectious skin disease. Um, the scaling of your skin was that it, it, it attacked the flesh. It attacked the flesh. And it began to eat away. It began to rot away your flesh. All the way to the bone. It would just keep on like dissolving you. Many people back then believed that if you had leprosy, this was a curse from God, that, that because of something you did, God was cursing you with this awful disease of leprosy. And if you had leprosy, you had to remove yourself not only from your home, but from the whole camp. You had to go live outside the city, out in the sticks, out in the weeds, out in the desert, until hopefully you got over it or it, it just went away or you would just die out there in the desert 
but you could not be around other people because it was very infectious. This sounds so, well, it sounds a little bit like what we're going through in this country, right? This virus that spreads, that if you have it, you have to quarantine yourself. And there's all this kind of like withdrawing and staying away from others, keeping it from spreading going on. That's what's going on with this man. And so he's living outside the camp as his body is oozing away. Now you can only imagine the look of this and the smell of this. Not to mention the bugs and the insects that are wanting to like attach themselves to this man. This is not pretty. It's not pretty for him. And it is certainly not pretty to look at. Like if you came across somebody who had leprosy, you would be really grossed out. It would be nasty. It would be really nasty. But this is what, this is what Jesus does. This is the going Jesus, right? He's always like on the move, looking for the, the person least likely to be picked by anyone else, looking for an engagement with somebody that is just like, like way out there. And whether Jesus knew he was going to meet this guy or not, we, we really don't know that. But what we do know is this. Jesus goes to this town. He just preached like the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. We just talked about that last week. And now he comes down from the mountain and he goes to a town. So let's, let's look a little closer at this engagement that Jesus has with this man. As Jesus, on the move, goes to yet another person who is in need of God's amazing grace. So check this out. Leprosy is this infectious skin disease. It's the scaling of the skin. It is not a, a pretty, pretty sight. But in verse 12, what happens is, the scripture says, while Jesus was in one of the towns. Now, that, that's kind of cool, right? Just one of those towns. It doesn't even name the town. We think we know the town because he comes down off the mountain. Uh, Matthew reveals uh, uh, that it's right after the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus comes down, he enters this town, and that's where this engagement with this, uh, this man uh, happens. But it's so typical of Jesus to the point that the name of the town doesn't even matter. Jesus has, a, has had so many encounters with people, and a lot of those are in the scripture. Many of those we don't have. But Jesus is having so many encounters with people in every different town that the town is not even what matters anymore. What matters now is the, the encounter with the person and how drastic of a situation this is and how none of us would ever even come close to a person like that. We would like withdraw. We keep our distance. We keep our distance right now. And it's a virus we can't really see anything of. And we're remaining, our social distance, our six feet away, right? Everybody's frantic. We don't get too close to people at the store. We don't get too close to people. Well, this guy, it was evident. It was obvious. And so you know nobody wanted to get close to this guy. But, but it's so typical. Jesus goes to this town. He's got his sandals on. Right? He's got his sandals on and he's going again. 
It's not the sit and wait for you to come to me, Jesus. It's the Jesus that pursues us. It's the Jesus that pursued you and pursued me. And today he goes to this town and he's in pursuit of another needy person. This is opportunity in the making. Jesus going, Jesus looking again for the right moment. And so this man comes along. Do you see it? This man just kind of comes along. The scripture says, says, behold, a man like appeared out of like nowhere. He came out from behind a rock or behind a tree or something. There he is. And the, the disciples, you know, the disciples are probably thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Keep your distance here. Stay back. Don't come any closer because this guy is covered with leprosy. He is covered. The word means full. It's, it's like unbounding leprosy from head to toe. He is completely covered. He is unclean. He is unworthy. Let me say that again. He is unclean and he is unworthy. And I cannot help but think about me and you. We are in the presence, in the sight of God. We are unclean and we are unworthy. In many, many ways, we are just like this man without the visible effects. We have a leprosy of sin in our life that is disgusting to God. We are unclean in his sight. And our sin is like the leprosy of this man. It's disgusting. And it's offensive. Because we have not just sinned against people, but we have sinned against God. And God wants to deal with that in our lives. He's made every provision for us to be cleansed from that, if we'll turn to him. But to Jesus, we must go. We must go to Jesus. Just like this man comes out of nowhere, and there's Jesus. And what does he do? He falls on his face. Why does he fall on his face? Because he is a man of great desperation. And he knows it. And he begs Jesus. He falls to the ground and he begs Jesus, Lord. He knows who Jesus is. Lord, heard all about you. I know you have the power to do anything you want. You have come from God. Lord, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You could just hear the desperation of this man pouring out as he's laying on his face at the foot of Jesus, crying, Lord, if you are willing, this is his one wish in life, this is his one hope in life, to be clean, to be able to go back into the camp, to be able to go back with his family, be able to go spend time with his children, his grandchildren, whatever his life was. He wants to go back to the way it was. And he is a desperate man. And he is on his face before God. That's a place that you and I should go. We need to go there for a couple of reasons. One, to remind ourselves of our great need for God. That without him we are hopeless. And only because he sent his son Jesus to this earth who died on a cross for my sin do we have any hope at all. And two, 
because God loves us. And, and because we not only need to remind ourselves of our desperation for God, but we need to let God know, God, I am desperate for you. I know that I am. And we humble ourselves and we need to, like this man, fall on our face and cry out to God. And this engagement, this whole entire engagement is created by Jesus. Jesus goes to one of those towns again, right? And, and, it, and, and, and the engagement happens, is created by Jesus, but it comes to light by the sick man approaching Jesus. He had to approach Jesus. Nothing happens if he stays behind the rocks. Nothing happens if he says, oh, he can't help me. Nothing happens if in his pride he says, I don't need God. Nothing happens if the man avoids Jesus, but the man doesn't avoid Jesus. Jesus creates the opportunity. This man enters into it. And he has an encounter with Jesus. He approaches Jesus. Then verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand. He does the unimaginable. He does, he does what you are not supposed to do when you come across a man living outside the tent, outside the camp, who has leprosy, who's yelling, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, don't come near, don't come near. He's got an infectious skin disease that could kill. You are not supposed to touch this man. And you know the disciples, they're going, no, Jesus, no, 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 don't touch. It's too late. Jesus has already touched the man. He's already reached out his hand and he's touched the man. He has put his hands, his clean hands on a very sick, diseased, unhealthy man. Mark calls this the touch of compassion. The touch of compassion that when Jesus sees you in your sin and he sees me in my sin, he has a, a boatload of compassion on us, not pity on us, not just because we're lame people, but because we are sheep without a shepherd. And we are lost eternally. And when he sees us, he has compassion on us as Jesus once again witnesses the effects of sin in the world and the desperation of every soul. And he reaches out and he touches the man and Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. I am willing, be clean. Why? Because when a humble heart approaches God, God is willing. God is always willing. He wants us to be well. Will he heal everything that ever happens to us? Maybe not. There's a number of reasons why God may want us right where he has us. Not to torture us, not to punish us, not to, not to make an example out of us, but perhaps to use us for his glory in some way that we don't understand. And so Jesus, for this man, says, in your desperation, in your humility, in your crying out to God, I am willing, be clean. And his power, his power is immediately seen as the leprosy leaves the man. This is like, this is like an instant healing. 
This man's skin went from scaly and white and nasty and rotting to perfectly healed. Mark and uh, Luke used the word cured. He is cured. He is no longer leprous. He is now cured immediately. The scripture says immediately it left him. And only Jesus has the power to immediately tell sickness and disease to leave. And it leaves. And in verse 14, Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Why? Because it's not yet Jesus' time. This is early in his ministry. He's just getting going. He's just picked his disciples. He's just shared the Sermon on the Mount. There's a, there's a number, two and a half years left to continue to do for Jesus. He does not want his fame to grow too quickly where, where they end it too quickly. And so Jesus says, don't go tell anyone, but, but the word's going to get out. There's a number of people that have witnessed this. The word is going to get out. But this man, he says, don't tell anyone but in keeping with the law, remember Jesus hasn't died and gone to the, gone to the cross and, and we don't have that new covenant completed and in place yet. And so Jesus is, is living or at least pointing the Jews to, to the law and to the law of Moses and to the, what the prophet said because he's trying to help them understand that not only is that true and good for the first period of time, but he is the one that's going to complete it. And that he is going to be greater than it. So he doesn't avoid it, ignore it, and say it's nothing. He simply says, up to this moment, pre-cross, go and show yourself to, uh, to the priests and offer sacrifices for the cleansing of your leprosy. Now this is the law of Moses he's referring to, right? And, and, and show yourself to the priests was, was very involved in the cleansing that went forth to make sure that the person was clean before they could come back into the camp. Le Leviticus chapter 14, you can read that. It is 57 verses, long chapter, about all of the process. It involved birds, two birds, one that was was killed over fresh water and then the other ones dipped into that water and sprinkled on the, 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 the man that was cleansed and then released into the air and then there's lambs involved and there's a shaving of your head and there's on and on and on and on. A process of purification that the priest had to come outside the camp to, to investigate you, to examine you to make sure this healing really did happen. And then the last thing Jesus says is... Uh, you know, he says, to the priest and offer the sacrifice of Moses commanded for the cleansing as a testimony to them. And that's an interesting phrase right there. As a testimony for them. Why? Because Jesus is saying, look, you go ahead and do what the law says. The priests all know this. But when they say, but when they say to you, leprous man, how did this happen? How did this healing happen? How did you get well? And you say to them, that guy, Jesus, he was coming down the path and I saw him and I went up to him and I cried out to him. I fell on my face before him and he healed me. It's because of Jesus that I'm healed. And the priests hear this. Maybe, just maybe they will understand. Maybe, just maybe they will understand 
that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, that they should be expecting, the, the one who came from heaven. And maybe they would believe, or at least have another chance to believe, as a testimony against them. St. Ambrose says this, Jesus does not obey the law, he makes the law. Jesus is the one who created the law, who started the law, designed the law, and made the law. Jesus does not submit to sickness and disease like we in our flesh. It submits to Jesus. And Jesus says, I am willing, be clean, go show yourself as a testimony to them. In verse 15, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. So news spreads, people see this, people come and they come to hear and they come to be healed. Some probably out of like curiosity, they're wondering what's going on or who is this Jesus or what will he do next? Some maybe out of desperation. People came for lots of different reasons. But why do you and I come? Why do we come to Jesus? Why is it that we come to him today? Why are we listening to the word of God today? Why do we come to Jesus? Are we checking off a box? We did this. This is what I do on Sunday. This is what I do once a week. Are we coming to Jesus uh, because he's, he's like a, a good luck charm that if we just kind of hang around Jesus, we get to church, you know, once in a while that, that Jesus will bless my life. You know, he's like my good, he's like a, my uh, little, you know, cross and I suction cup to my, my um, dashboard and he's just bouncing around the cross with Jesus and it's like he's my good luck charm. Is that what Jesus is? I just rub Jesus a little and he's like a genie. He's going to give me what I ask for sometimes. Is that why we come to Jesus? Do we come to Jesus like he's some kind of slot machine and if we pray enough or we just offer things to him, we like cha-ching, he just answers our prayers because Jesus just gives people what they ask for? Or do we come to Jesus as a last resort because we've tried everything else? We might as well give God a try too. Why, why do you come to Jesus? There's a lot of reasons, but we come to Jesus. We come to Jesus out of desperation because we know that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is the Son that has come from heaven to do his father's will, to pay the price for our sin so that we, so that we can have cleansing and forgiveness and we can come back into a relationship with God. That's why we come to Jesus because we understand our desperate need for him. We are more desperate for him than we will ever, ever know. Like the woman with the issue of blood who just Everything in her said, if I just touch Jesus, that's desperation. Or the ruler whose son was sick and came begging Jesus. Or the sisters who lost their brother who came begging Jesus. Or hundreds of others who humbled themselves and turned to the only hope that we have. Out of desperation, they turned to Jesus. 
In verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Do you see that? This is, this is the key. This is one of those keys to the engaging Jesus. Both in your life and then through your life for other people. Right? This is the key. Walking out in power, walking out in prayer, creating opportunity, looking for the right encounter, making the most of the moment. All of this happens in a life of prayer. When we get away to be with God and we come back and, and engage with the world, we have a better understanding of where God wants to use us and how he wants to use us for his glory and his glory only. We seek the Father's will with every ounce of desperation in us for ourselves and for the hope of mankind. That God will use us in some way to touch another life, to touch somebody today, to point somebody to the only hope on the planet, Jesus. The engaging Jesus. The engaging Jesus. How is your connection with him going? Is Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? Not a genie, not a slot machine, but is he the Lord and Savior of our lives? And we know we are desperate for him. More so than this man with leprosy. But we just don't realize it. In our pride, we think we're better off. In our pride, we think, I'm not that bad. But we are even more desperate for him in our pride. And is Jesus able to engage the world through you? Are you looking for opportunities? These two things go hand in hand. Not only Jesus engaging you, but Jesus using you to go out into the world. And in the process, he's engaging you. There's this powerful transformation happening as we go in the name of Jesus. Is he Lord and Savior of your life? Have you surrendered your heart to him? And what is that one question, that one question that is burning on your heart that you can share with somebody to help them, to stir them up into action that they might seek the only hope on the planet as well? May God use you this week, not just to change your life, but to change somebody else's life too. That you would engage with the world around you, the community around you, whatever it is, in whatever way, whatever way you can. There's, there's dozens and dozens of ways for you to engage the world. Why don't we stop, stop just doing what we want, our pleasure, our wants, our wishes, and start letting God use us in a way that is eternal. May God bless you and work in your life this week. And may we cry out to him in a desperation like this man. Father, use us for your glory. Move in our hearts. Draw us to you. Help us to see, Lord, just how much we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.